1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Try Nunes is an Absolute live stream. With you as always, Steve Haller. Uh, joining me as always, Christian de Guzman and Andy Pregler. And yes, Andy, I know there's video issues. I will work on that. Uh, kick it to you guys.
2: <laughs> well, listen, Steve, the video issues that you're having seem to be better than the issues that Syracuse had tonight against Virginia Tech. Because at least we are... Somewhat here in broadcasting something useful. Uh, no, it wasn't that bad, but it's it's not been pretty tonight. Uh, Christian, I'm sorry that the world is deprived of looking at you dressed very nicely tonight. Not intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> like anything that Syracuse did tonight, not intentionally. Not intentionally. <laughs> or maybe. Eh. Do we even know at this point if Syracuse does things intentionally at this point anymore? I don't know if they mean to be bad intentionally. I do think that there are times, like, only playing seven guys, that that is very intentional. Repercussions be damned. Uh, Uh, At this point, it's (laughs) seven and a half. Yeah, that's—well, I was going to say, before we jump into the mess that was tonight, the biggest piece of news that happened this week that we have to address off the top before we get into anything— Jesse Edwards. It's not the
0: Rams are a four-point favorite. Let's move on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Joe Burr fans. You're going to really – you're the underdogs this week. Uh, No, the – Jesse Edwards, Syracuse's – I'm going to get some heat for this. Syracuse's best player, Jesse Edwards, broke his wrist in the final minutes of a – not meaningless game, but Syracuse was up by almost double digits, or they were up by double digits against Boston College at the time that he broke his wrist – um he was defending a fast break and came down on it very awkwardly and there wasn't really ma- there wasn't anything made of it in the game and then all of a sudden Donna DeTota the the legend that she is just drops the article Jesse Edwards fractured wrist out for the rest of the season not even a cursory out 6 to 12 weeks just a straight up no he ain't coming back and minor details I, come on well i think that there's always the and steve you understand this very well being a former football player there are the injuries that you give the week number two because there is the opportunity that you can either heal fast or play through and then there's the we're saying you're out for the year because you are just not playing this year we do not like the way this injury looks we do not like we don't like who you are or whatever you're just not coming back. And in the case of Edwards and what he represented, it's not a situation where Syracuse wants to get someone else some run. If he's not coming back, that wrist injury was bad, and they do not want to rush him
1: back uh, to, to back into the rotation. Well, and, I mean, every time I hear injury, all I go back to is Renze Onowaku and how that got played. And how that got played compared to how Edwards got played, it's like Edwards must have been, like, they said he was either – uh, this week or maybe even yesterday or today undergoing surgery on it or something he like would, that? So, Beheim confirmed that he was getting surgery on Friday and that
0: he was getting a pin placed inside his hand for six weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that'll do it. That time frame kind of takes you outside that window wanna, of, yeah. of season. I,
0: wanna, I don't think you can heal quickly from that too. I don't think you can rehab quickly as well
1: from that as well. Yeah, so... Either way, uh, in the mess that we just watched, Frank Anselm had a much more significant role than he has in the past. Yeah, I think that like, this is a great point. Like We are going
2: live um, right now a little bit after 8 o'clock on Saturday night. Normally we record on Sunday night, but in case you live under a rock, there's a big game happening on Sunday night that would go right during our normal 8 o'clock time slot. So The funny thing is you guys did that last year. Yes, we yeah. made that. We very purposely did that last year. No one tuned in at all. Except, I think. I think except me before I joined.
0: <laughs> I think I was the only person who tuned in. Except
2: <laughs> nobody, nobody watched live, and the thing went up the next on the next Monday, like any other week. So we were just like, you know what, probably not good to go toe to toe against the big game, so that way we don't get sued. Yeah, people want to watch. Dr. Dre and Kendrick Lamar. We can get to that in a bit. I have Ooh. thoughts. Oh, you <laughs> have thoughts. I, want, I want to. Hear, I want to hear said thoughts. I am ready for that. But uh, we're recording Saturday night, and we and I want to. If you don't, li- if this is your first show, thank you. Welcome to the absolute clan, clown show that this is. Um, but I last week, said, yes. we, last Do week- I have to retitle this now? Yes. No. <laughs> Trey Nunes is an absolute to- <laughs> clown show. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that might val- invalidate some of our sponsorship deals, aka the one, so let's not do that yet. Uh, but when we were talking last week, we literally said, we're going to go live after this game, and Christian, knowing he's a true noonser, he knew immediately that this was probably a recipe for disaster. So there was a really good chance that this show would get ugly off the top because this game was going to be ugly off the top. And... I I think at the time period, we were assuming Syracuse is on a run. They're playing their best basketball of the year. Virginia Tech's a pretty solid ACC team, all things considered. We were expecting some weirdness that would dictate the ending of the game, and maybe Syracuse loses in a very weird fashion, especially with TV Teddy being the ref. Instead, we get Jesse Edwards' broken wrist. We get Frank Anselm playing major minutes. We get Syracuse losing this one 71-59 um which they was, were tied with like what 4 minutes left I was going to say the score line this is one of those games where that if you just look at the score line on ESPN where they give you the first the second and the final it is probably the most misleading Syracuse box score score line I've seen in a while when it comes to just the pure numbers because Virginia Tech was up 10 going into the half and Syracuse technically lost the second half by two but yeah Steve like you said this game was tied going into the final timeout of the game. Uh, Steve, again, you were the one that posted
1: this in the chat, but like, this was a weird finish. What the hell happened? Well, it was a weird game to start. I mean, the first half—dare I say that ten point—the <laughs> ten point Virginia Tech lead could have been more, and it probably then, should have been more. Yeah, and then the second half, like, SU looked like crap for a good bit magically hit a couple of shots, was back in it tied with four minutes to go, or however many I don't have in front of me, but uh, Christian and I were talking in the pregame while the game was still going on of they somehow decided the next three possessions to just forget how to play basketball and gave up any semblance of a a tie ball game they had or a chance to take a lead. And it was just like, okay, well, I guess we're just not going to do all the things that got us there. And uh, then we lose by 12. So, seems situation normal.
0: I have a stat.
1: Oh, <laughs> let's boy. hear it. Stat me. Shout out to
0: former Noonser and former SB Nationer, uh, Chris Strensky, who we all love uh, for his lacrosse stuff. You might see where this is going. The Q's men's lacrosse team today, we'll get to them later. They scored 28 goals uh, against Holy Cross. Who wants to garner or guess how many field goals the men's basketball team made today?
2: 27.
0: It was 24. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> let's, let's put this differently as well. The men's lacrosse team had 28 goals on 49 shot attempts. That's 57.1%. The men's basketball team had 24 field goals on 64 shot attempts.
1: That this, is 37.5%. This, my friend, is why we can't have nice things. This, my friends, is why we are lacrosse school. <laughs> I, ju-
2: I just want to point out, last week, the three of us went over that spreadsheet that I made about like how good the team has been during this win streak. And all credit to Joseph Gerrard and Buddy Bayheim. Um, if you look at their numbers, Buddy was 8 for nineteen, four of 10 from 3, Buddy finishes with 21, Joe finishes with 16, he was 6 from 14 for the field. Not elite numbers by any stretch of the imagination. But those numbers will will do. Right, and they were better than either of those guys had played at the beginning of the season. Yeah. You look at the rest of the team. (laughs) uh, The bench was 1 of 3 from the field, so they just didn't didn't play, didn't do anything. Um, the rest of the starters: Frank Anslem, uh, Jimmy Beheim, and Cole Swider made a combined nine field goals, and Jimmy Beheim attempted nine on his own.
0: I just noticed uh, this also. Swider played all
1: forty minutes, and went four thirteen zero, for, zero five. for five. Yep, this seems fine. Like, there is, if I, you didn't see this game, and you are walking like walking into this chat, you're probably literally living the uh, Donald Glover walking into the yeah. in community like with the pizza into the room and be like, so, yeah. So here's oh. what I'll say. About so here's what I'll say about this. I don't think anyone in
0: the right mind was expecting Anselm to immediately become Edwards. If you thought that was going to happen, you were out of your mind. However, he did have 15 rebounds, which is incredible. And that's great. That's the kind of performance, not the 15 rebounds, but six to eight. Yeah. Even lower, maybe. Like if you really want to make it five. Five to six rebounds per game and strong rebounds. That's what you would like from Anselm. You gave him 15. That's pretty good. You're not going to expect him to match the offensive numbers. The real disappointment comes from Jimmy Bayheim and Cole Swatter. When you get that little production, when your front court goes six of 22 from the floor, that is just not good.
1: Which, you know, we can transition to if your front court's that bad, what. You lose by not playing your five-star freshman that needs to develop. Alright. Yeah. Who wants to let's play this game? Three minutes over under Benny
2: Williams. I'm going under. Under. 246. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem though. And, and Steve, you hit the nail on the head. This we knew that without Jesse, this front court was going to be bad. Yeah. Uh so. We talked about this. I'll, I had a couple conversations about this on on Twitter. I, we brought it up in the Slack. There was there is a real opportunity for you to put Jimmy Jr. at the five, and throw Benny in there and just see what happens. Go with the super small ball lineup that you know the team is playing like it wants to anyway, with chucking threes from left and right. And if Benny Williams cannot get action without Jesse Edwards. On a night in a game that you kind of didn't have to win to get on the bubble but you really needed to to make that resume look stronger and was in your grasp like it was with right. like again not to not to hit the nail on the head a billion times but uh Syracuse had this game tied with four minutes to go and you can only get two and a half minutes at this point the coach is not going to play you period end of story right and i don't know what that says more or who that says more about benny williams's struggles that he's having or jim beheim's stubbornness in his initial evaluation of a player because i don't think that i don't think that this evaluation of benny has changed all that much from the beginning of the year we saw benny get more minutes earlier in the season but when benny showed jim that he couldn't do what he wanted him to do the switch was flipped, and it was switched
1: off. ¿Por qué no los dos?
2: I, yeah, I think that's um, probably the yeah. honest answer.
1: Like, Benny probably hasn't developed the way he should have, but also he hasn't been given the opportunity to develop the way he should have. So you're kind of stuck in this weird developmental hell year. And I think, uh, I think it was Kevin put that piece together midweek about... Like this isn't this isn't rocket science. This is not something new for Jim Beheim. Like freshman freshman numbers, Benny actually is getting as much or more run than a lot of freshmen. But that's that. I guess that goes back into your indictment on the coaching staff of like you're bringing in these guys. Uh, how are how are they going to develop if you don't give them minutes? Like he's just surpassing. I think or hypothetically will, if he actually plays more than a minute and a half a game. Uh, oh, God. Name escaping I, me. I'm, I'm curious. Player. Fab what? Mello? What's that? Was it Fab Mello? No, it was uh, point guard Frank Howard. There we go. Um, there you go. <laughs>
0: oh, Frank went to <the> turtle.
1: Yep. <laughs> so that, It was like you, you start. you looked at the numbers that he put together, and it's like, yeah, he's actually playing more, but it still seems like he isn't playing at all, and that's just kind of an indictment on freshmen under James Arthur Bayheim recently, because I mean we do know there was a freshman that played a lot of minutes, and a freshman that played next to him that played a lot of minutes that year too, uh, back in 2003. Um, you guys may not have been born yet, uh, but uh, <laughs> I remember watching. You brought him it up this time. Yep, had to. <laughs> you know it had been 19 minutes i couldn't couldn't let it go much farther than that <laughs> we're too late on our schedule there yeah
2: i i i mean this is and christian you know we've been talking about this all season long and you've been one of the biggest proponents of this is the loss of jesse is not just big because of what we get on the offensive side of the board but this team is not very good defensively, and Jesse. Oh, really?
0: What gave you that impression? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Jesse, for what for what he was and what he wasn't, was at least a very capable two-three zone center, where you could plop him in the middle there. And while he did have a tendency to be a bit too aggressive and over foul at times, he was at least a shot detractor and a shot alterer. And you were the one that kind of mentioned this in the, in our Slack that we were having. From the defensive side of the ball, there was just no answer for what to do in the high post. And Syracuse has struggled with that all year, even with Jesse in the rotation. And now that he's out, that just might be the black hole for Syracuse defensively. Like, there, there doesn't seem to be any answers.
0: Because once, when you, when the ball got to the high post, Jesse could defend that person one-on-one. And that was it. And like that, at least gave Syracuse a little bit of breathing room once that ball came into the high post. First of all, the ball should never go into the high post in the first place. That and that's part of the principles of the zone. However, the guards this year and last year, yeah, uh, perhaps they, the year before that, same guards. yeah, um, th- yeah, um, they aren't quite adept at uh getting the ball. Not into the high post, and some of that is due to physical limitations as well.
1: Um, you know how I know you have a new house pedigree, yeah? The nuance you put into that instead of just saying the guards are shit at defending the high post.
0: <laughs> I have to be, I have to be correct somehow. Stumpy here, we'll just tell you how it went.
1: <laughs>
0: but well, that's that's what that's what I know you're a a a try hard sports fan where it's like let's just let's just cut to the chase. This is exactly what I want to talk about. Uh, this is exactly how it should be talked about. We we want to we want to flower it up. We want to make sure to like, you
2: know, to give it a little pizzazz to show our personalities. Yep. Steve as if you're new here, Steve is the offensive lineman. He is here to hit you in the mouth and let you know how it is. Don't church it up, just Punch you in the face. Problem solved. Andy and I, Andy and I are the wide receivers. We're trying to dance around the problem and make sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Of <laughs> we yeah. are. We are. We're. And I like. And to be fair, like. And again, Steve, to give you credit, you were the one that kind of mentioned this a whole bunch of times. Like, these are amateurs. Tec- yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, the, technically, these these are kids. These are amateurs sports is not their full-time job even what ignore Cordell jones like okay you know they're not there mm. <laughs> I know all things in reality versus whatever but especially guess, with I'll, the- give, I'll give I'll
0: give Tyler Light credit to showing up to some some of those morning classes that we had after
1: uh after the during the you know 2016 run oh yeah and <laughs> oh. I, to be fair I can even tell you as a D3 athlete I spend more time playing football than I would have at a full-time job, like between the weight room, between film, between everything. Like I can't imagine what D1's like.
2: Right. And it's, and it's the situation where like they're, they're on field. uh, Coaches, you could change this. What we see is the on-court performance. We don't see the practice. So we can't judge what goes on all these other times. You don't, you don't let us see it. So we can only judge what we see on game, on game film. That that's on you. Are you speaking to Dino? (laughs)
1: <laughs> we'll get to him in a minute uh, <laughs> I feel like this what? is a weird like, Festivus episode <laughs> it kind of, well, This is the airing of the grievances
2: Well Steve, that's, I think that's the point Is because for a lot of people And I'm not going to aff- I actually you know what, screw it This is a podcast, <laughs> I, can, I can have hot takes I am putting the nail in the Syracuse coffin right now The season is done, they are not going to be on the bubble Bubble hopes are gone Um at this point you're just playing for pride and you're playing it out. This was and-
0: Syracuse's best chance at a quad one win, win this season. Yes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you know you say this now and you know we're going to end up like beating Duke and Notre Dame and <laughs> be good. They're um, going Dickie- to put Dickie V on the Duke
0: game and it's going to be John Gillen again. Oh, oh no. God.
2: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs>
0: oh I'm- And we've done it. I'm staying. Nope. That'll be Dicky's. That'll be Dicky's.
2: Dicky V's first first game back from treatment, and oh, that's <laughs> be the Coach K, Jim Bayheim Dicky V love fest. Oh my god, should have put that on Valentine's Day. Come on. <laughs> they. Uh, I don't even remember what my original point was. Oh, my original point was this: the to the trashing of the guards thing. Normally, I am anti. Crap on guys that are on the court because they're amateurs and it's tough. Joe and Jimmy or sorry, Joe and Buddy have been here long enough. They have been in these situations before, and we've seen how they what their struggles are. We've called them out. The coaches have called them out and neither of them have fundamentally changed their game or their decision-making.
1: And at right. this point, I don't really know. I it's They may not be able yeah. to. And that's, I mean, uh, if you go back, we've, we, we've been doing guys, this a while. Guys, guys, What's up? guys, guys, guys. We've, we brought this up earlier this year. We brought this up that, last year. No, no, Andy and I talked no, about this just, last year. No,
0: no but we, you guys probably brought it up last year. There is a way for this defense to be better.
2: It's not going to happen man to man man it's never happening (laughs) exactly
1: yep yeah but i mean (sighs) to be fair like like andy was saying you know we, we have two two guys that have been around the program long enough like if you go back and listen to our takes last year yes we we talked about how bad the top of the zone defense was but also had the kid gloves a little like this year we know the limitations like we know, that's what Joe and Buddy are going to be. Um, the,
0: the problem is there also isn't a backup guard or another guard who has length who could be a temporary stop gapper right. when the top of the zone needed a defense. Or even
1: even wings that can cover that, like the high corner there. That that's very true as well. But. And that's uh, it's it's more of a function of. The I mean, that whole was kind of happening. Being in a weird situation <laughs> and weird transition.
0: God, the, the, the orange only had one of those, has a starter last year. <laughs> Fair.
1: The other one, not so much. Can uh, my my left kidney for Hakeem Warwick? Oh my God. gosh! would <laughs> show on this team.
2: <laughs> not even NBA what, one. I just want you college Hakeem. <laughs> what would
1: happen
0: if, for some reason, Peter Carey comes in ready? And Anselm ready enough to be the backup, mm. and you shift Anselm to the wing. Mm.
2: Mm. Mm. I don't hate it. Yeah. It's Christian, it sounds really good, but it requires so much positional flexibility from a head coach who has refused to show positional flexibility. That's <laughs> so, a very good point. Uh, I think, I
0: think again. Well, that's- Remember back a couple of weeks ago, Beheim said, "Probably two, maybe three freshmen will start next year."
2: Right. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in full. This is bringing me back to when we first started this cast, when it was me and Steve talking about the COVID Syracuse football team, um, which was not playing to win games. It was it was playing the games to play the games and see what happens with the freshmen. Right. And I it's feel like we are see what happens. <laughs> yep i feel like we're at that point with this basketball team um so christian i'm glad you're here now because there's another voice to bounce things off of yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> give me a thumbs up um, but before we talk about dino babers and his football program let's talk about home field apparel our wonderful sponsor of the troy news is an absolute podcast home field apparel is your one-stop shop for vintage collegiate, cozy apparel. They do t-shirts, they do hoodies, they do crew necks. Occasionally they do joggers if crazy UConn fans don't buy them all out. Uh, all in all, they are a great place to go if you're looking for something old school. They have a fantastic Syracuse collection. Use the promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S, for 10% off your first order at home field apparel. Um, again, if you're listening to this uh, live, just, google home field apparel they'll pop right up it's easier than me trying to spell home field apparel with their vowels missing from apparel um mm, i will screw yeah. that up a billion times just just go there and if you're uh on newsmagician.com there's a link to uh, the syracuse collection right in the article yes. so feel free to yell at connor for us it's fine yep connor connor's uh connor's a good friend he's got a he's got a tip line going for he's us he's actually of all.
1: been on the cast <laughs> Yeah.
2: Friend of the pod, he was one of the first guests we had when we just talked to him about random old school stuff. That was a that was a conversation that was supposed to talk about something very specific. It did not talk about anything specific uh, at all. Hundred
1: <laughs> percent not. So um,
2: they did know drop. Is- a,
1: I, I would not recommend anyone uh, <laughs> pick up what they dropped this week because uh, Big New Saturday this week. Every week they debut a, a new school. Uh, this week was NC State. So yes. Unless you lost a bet with somebody over the uh, the football game last year or something, don't don't look at this week's big news Saturday. Although some of the designs are really cool. <laughs> I was gonna say it's really great that we're talking about NC State because that pivots
2: us to what is the Syracuse football schedule via SP Plus. Bow, 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 bow. Um, and, and then you scroll through, and, and then you scroll through SP Plus, and then you see where NC State is on SP Plus, and mm-hmm. you play the sad trombone or the scared noise, your choice, uh, <laughs> depending <pain> on <laughs> <does>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, for those that do not know why we are laughing about this and why we love SP Plus, Bill C. He works for ESPN. He used to be part of SP Nation came up with this thing. It's basically, a, and I wanna be very clear on this, is a model that inputs data and outputs a ranking system that is supposed to be forward-looking. Basically, it's really great for projections. It tells you a little bit about what has happened. It's more useful if you look at it as a what will happen and it use and the way it does this is it basically looks at the way that a team has played historically it looks at things that typically win you football games and it's a really great model of saying you know what if luck is even if all things are equal this is who wins this football game this is how this team is going to play out i want to make that abundantly clear because i think a lot of people get dug into sp plus and look at it as like an objective ranking system week to week of who's you know one through 25 in college football that is not what it's intended to do now the reason that we like it here is because as Syracuse commentators we like to have a general idea of what could happen with Syracuse sports and why it happens Syracuse football last year was not bad they were not great they were probably not good but they were definitely an improved product over what they were in 2020. Now, the good news, we covered this a little bit last week, or actually, we didn't cover this at all. Um, Syracuse, by SP Plus Metrics, before we get to the seasonal projections, we're gonna talk about this really quickly. Syracuse is the fifth, it was ranked 15th in returning production, meaning of all D1 schools, Syracuse, in terms of weighted performance coming back, was 15th best in the country. They were returning a lot of key pieces, and we knew this. Um, Steve, one of the things that I wanted, that we kind of talked about, was that SP Plus does not love running backs who return. They did not rate Sean Tucker's record-breaking return highly. But you know what they did like a lot, and they rank higher, is offensive line snaps. Specifically, consecutive five offensive line snaps, AKA, are you returning a starting offensive line unit? So, I'm gonna give Christian the meaty fun part about talking about the quarterback returning snaps, but let's talk about the offensive line really quickly. Don't throw me a good time. <laughs> why is SMP Plus optimistic about what Syracuse is returning when it comes
1: to the front five? SP plus, please, please, not S and P. We're not back in the oh SP Nation God. days. There's a lawsuit coming <laughs> your way. Uh, <laughs> I've instead of C and D, I must now
2: pay twenty five dollars. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that little congratulations. <laughs>
1: I know, I have a good lawyer. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're offensive off line, fine. but we're always <laughs> off the rails. Um, so for the uh, the big guys in the trenches, if anyone didn't notice, we had. Um, well, we had for have five guys coming back that have all started multiple games for Syracuse, including Matthew Bergeron, who's really really good at football, Kaylen Ellis at left guard, likely who is uh, a re- well going to be a sophomore or would he be a COVID freshman still? I don't know. Last year was not a free free year, right? No, um, so but he got a sophomore. free year his first year. <laughs> well, last year was his first year. He was a true freshman last year. So there you go, yeah. So yeah. he's a sophomore. So he's a true sophomore um, at left guard. Uh, likely, what or what I'm anticipating just from what we've seen, would be um, the return of Carlos Federello, who got injured at the end of last season, into the starting lineup back at center where he played his first two years. Um, and then Chris Bleich at right guard, Dakota Davis at right tackle, where he played a game or two the end of last year when uh, Bergeron – or when. Um, Venerable went down. Um, I I mean that's a solid unit to be bringing back, and there is some depth behind them as far as guys who can play. Um, guys who saw snaps. You're looking at Josh Aloa at center, who was uh, okay at best. Uh, Darius Tisdale at guard and tackle, who I would f- file in the same boat but slightly above. Um, and I think it seems like a good core and a good good set of young kids that came in last year. Uh, I'll combine that with a full off season working with Mike Schmidt instead of the limited time they had last year, and this unit is actually th- this unit that blocked for one of, if not the best running back in the country last year, uh, has a lot of bodies back and a lot of um, a lot of talent back. So. I am looking relatively optimistic about them, but I'm always a grass is always greener person. So The offensive line being good
2: is obviously a big piece to Syracuse's success year in and year out. But Christian, one of the things that SP Plus really did like is that the Orange are, is returning its quarterback, who is responsible for the majority of passing yards and the majority of rushing yards. That being said, SB Plus also was smart enough to go, y'all aren't returning that many yards in that category, to be fair. Um, one of the things that happened this week is that we saw some coaching changes, and it really does seem, if you are somebody who wants to be optimistic... The coaching changes indicate a fundamental shift in the way this offense is going to run this year. What can what were the changes, and like what are some of the things that you're hoping to see in terms of, of changes along the offensive front?
0: Well, <laughs> there's a lot of ways we could go with that. Let's go through the changes first. Syracuse brought in uh, Michael Johnson, who was previously the offensive coordinator from FAU um the wrinkle that was introduced is that Johnson is only going to work with the outside receivers Robert and the new offensive coordinator is going to work with the inside receivers and the tight ends so there's going to be a concerted effort on where Schrader throws the ball and to whom and it's going to be difficult because I think Syracuse is still trying to develop that downfield threat which is where you probably want Johnson to really work with a Damian Alford, a Aronde Gadsden Jr., a Mari Hatcher. And then the inside receivers, that's where Rene works with Courtney Jackson and Trevor Pena. And then the tight ends, which is Stephen Mahar and maybe Chris Elmore and a great world where we all live in peace and harmony. Um, it's tough to see... Where this exactly goes, if N'A is working closely with the inside receivers, that probably also means that Schrader is going to throw a lot towards the inside as well, because that's where he actually looked really the most impressive last year, where he was targeting with Courtney Jackson on 10-yard slant routes.
1: Right. When he's not allowed and to get too much air under the ball, he seems exactly. to be okay. hmm And so maybe
0: that's an area where A is trying to develop Schrader even more to bring out as much passing potential he has underneath him. It's just tough to see how much more he has.
1: Yeah, no, and you've got two guys, two guys behind him in Lampson and Valari, um, who we haven't seen at all. And directly behind him, you have Jacoby and Morgan, who we saw in limited game action and maybe throwing a total of two or three passes. So we don't know what in the hell is behind him. Like, I think Kevin, uh, it might have been in the comment section, I saw Kevin uh, post something about, we haven't seen what these guys have done in the system. And it's literally a point of, we haven't seen what these guys can do in any system. Like, they're just all complete unknowns almost at this point. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what Anae thinks of them and where, where this all shakes out. And I guess more importantly, what Beck thinks of them. Um, but uh, I I don't know it's it's gonna be weird uh, weird to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, and I think one of the
2: more interesting things about this uh, and what you're talking about goes into the, S&P, the s p the the SP plus projections from Bill C caught myself there. um he did the full season and so basically what happens is he the plugs in all the numbers, Computer spits out a uh, objective team number, and then he ranks those numbers top to bottom. So the good news is that for Syracuse last year, they finished the season 74th in SP plus. Outside of the top 60, one of the lowest in the ACC, not ideal. Uh, This year, they start out the year uh, ranked 50, I I gotta make sure I actually was checking to see. 58th, yeah which is pretty good improvement for not doing anything since the end of the season. Um it goes to show how much that returning production is valued. The issue for Syracuse is that 8 of their 12 opponents are ranked higher than Syracuse in SP+ and right now would be projected to beat Syracuse if uh you know as the schedule holds. So typically home teams get a little bit of a bump doesn't help Syracuse at all because all these teams are difficult. Um the biggest issue that Syracuse has is the schedule. And like we've talked I we we talk about it as a meme. This is the year where it's actually going to hurt Syracuse because if Syracuse had an average schedule, they go they probably go 6 and 6 and make a bowl game. They do not have an average schedule. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Steve, if you got to take a look at SP Plus in depth. I was genuinely surprised by high how by how high Pittsburgh still is. They SP Plus has uh, Pittsburgh as a top fifteen team with NC State and Notre Dame, who are all and Clemson. So Syracuse has four top fifteen teams on the schedule. Um, it's it's being, not great. Yeah, Pip being in that group surprised
1: me, but I'm wondering if there's anything that stood out to you from, from the initial rankings. So, I didn't get a chance to look at the actual SP Plus rankings. I got uh, I dove deeper on the returning production when you were writing that article. Um, yeah. Which, of course, I just threw out the note sheet uh, earlier today of exactly what numbers everything was. But uh, even then, like you look at returning production, which does have a large component in Bilsey's final numbers um, – most of, the, most of the teams that we're facing outside of, I think, two were in the top half, the top quarter of the country in returning quality. And, you know, yes, we were 16th, but there were still, like, FSU, Louisville, and NC State were all above us, which is mildly insane to think um, that we could, you know, drastically improve our offense by, you know, a touchdown a game, and still end up with the same or worse record.
0: The big thing here, I think a lot of people are discrediting how good Purdue might be, because Purdue is 27 in SP+. And a lot of people, from what I could gather, just based on what I've been hearing through the grapevine, what I've been seeing on Twitter, I think people are discrediting Purdue as a, not as a easy win, but as a very winnable game for Syracuse. When in reality, it's probably the opposite, and uh, to the more extreme end of that scale. Um, so that's got to be worrying, especially when Purdue is bringing a twenty-second ranked defense into the Carrier Dome. Like, I for a third game I, of a new offensive coordinator, that's just not a recipe that I much rather think would be great.
1: Right, and without a one double A game in there to get your feet under you too. Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: the uh, it, this is just a situation where when you especially look at and not to get so granular into this, but you look at the way that the schedule is actually put up. UVA is a game where uh, they are returning a Brennan Armstrong. But overall, they're one of the weaker teams that Syracuse has on the schedule. That's a game you really hope is a win. And you start debating now, well, do we want them later in the year when Syracuse has kind of figured everything out? Or do we want them early in the year when when Syracuse is probably the healthiest? Well, I don't really know, but that game's going to be crucial to determining whether or not we're going to make a bowl this year or not. Same thing.
0: uh, Yeah, I think the Louisville game is actually... A very good opportunity for Syracuse because even though Louisville is 29 in overall S&P, SP+, excuse me, um, (laughs) yeah, uh, they're eighth in offense, which is scary, especially given to what Louisville did last year to Syracuse. But consider that was at Louisville. That was with an hyped-up crowd. That was with Lamar Jackson giving voodoo powers to the ball. Um, Yeah. Their defense is 67th. An SP, an sp plus so there's your opportunity for syracuse because syracuse's defense as we know is a lot better than their offense so there's your opportunity to get a big statement went off the board first and i think that's a very good opportunity for syracuse to really put their foot down
2: yeah i think if you look at a lot of syracuse's opponents um like florida state is a team that we consider a wild card sp plus really likes them um but they're only forty seventh in offense they're really they're higher up on defense and we saw that Syracuse last year against that you know same defense was able to put up points they just weren't really able to stop anything um you know we already talked about Purdue, we talked about Louisville. you get further down the list and you start looking at you know Wake Forest they're projected to they're the ninth overall offense they are the ninety seventh ranked defense that's a game that, where
0: that was very true
2: last year. Right. So that's a game where you're going on the road, middle of the season. Again, I think a lot of people are still a little bit unsure about what Wake Forest is going to look like after a year where they caught everybody off guard. But if that's a team that really is struggling to stop people, like that, those are the games that Syracuse has to win yeah. if they're going to make this season a bowl season. And it just stinks because it's a year where you go, well, if Wake was coming to the Dome, I'd feel a lot better. But we have to go on the road in the middle of probably one of the difficult, most difficult stretches of the entire season. So it's just there's a lot of obstacles put into Syracuse's way this year, and I'm not just talking about like oh you know you play in the ACC everything's hard. I mean that when you really look at the way that everything kind of fell together, this was the short end of the stick.
1: And, this and is, it really, I, I'm gonna beat the John Casillo drum. And this is why you don't schedule Purdue; you schedule Ball State or somebody. Exactly. Like it really is coming, especially that you got the Wagner
2: game moved into you know quote beginning of the ACC schedule. This is gonna,
0: this is gonna be so great when Syracuse finally has something correct in twenty twenty five, and you need that good first mojo win, and it's against
2: Tennessee in Atlanta. <laughs> I cannot wait until that game happens because this is the dumbest thing that and, and that has ever happened and and we've had some dumb things. Uh, my favorite part about this is that they're trying to pitch it as like, hey. SU there are direct flights to Atlanta from SU like we've got this Delta connection that you can all just fly direct directly down there and I just want to go <gasps> nobody from Syracuse wants to get out of new out of central new york during the one of the f- 10 weekends when the weather is actually nice.
0: Jim Bay for all the the things that Jim Bayham has done to Syracuse, one of the things he's done for Syracuse is condition people in Syracuse to know that you do not leave the state of New
2: York during the first month of any athletic season. (laughs) It is correct. You do not leave the home state. You take the wins because you know what? At the end of the day... Nobody really cares where you got those wins. They care about the number
1: of wins that you have. Uh-huh. Well, you know a win that by the end of the season nobody's going to care about but looked really, really God dang good today? Transition master Steve, <laughs> talk to me about lacrosse. <laughs> well, I'm going to kick it over to Christian because he knows what he's talking about, unlike the two <laughs> of us. But Syracuse did have a beautiful, beautiful, I believe, third highest goal total ever win today uh, to open the lacrosse season against Holy Cross. Twenty-eight
0: to five. Yeah. Actually, this is this gives me a good chance because I uh, unfortunately wasn't able to get a look at the game first before we uh, we all got rolling. So now I get to see what the starting lineup was, and I get to react along this with uh, you guys. Um, we got to see what the starting attack looked like without Owen Hiltz. and the starting attack the move was to move Tucker Dordovic. To attack, which is very, very interesting. I thought if you could to move a midfielder up to attack, it would either be Griffin Cook or Brendan Curry, but they moved Dordefik up to attack because their third attacker who was going to start along with Hiltz is Mikey Berkman, who played a couple of second line attack minutes last year in some garbage time games. Yeah. But Berkman was the third attacker. Actually, had three goals today, which is good for him. Um, the guys who led the way were Owen Siebold and Dordovic with five each, including one beautiful behind-the-back goal that you guys have to see. I'll link that guy to you guys after the show because mm-hmm. it is very, very good. Curry had four goals himself. Right. I was
1: going to say, Curry, you don't seem to need to move to attack because he can just score from wherever. So Indeed.
0: Mm-hmm. And the starting goalkeeper was Bobby in the uh, Virginia transfer. So it looks like he'll be in the sticks. Didn't actually have to do too much, but did perform very well. Seven saves and three goals allowed. So above 50% save percentage and by some margin, which is very, very good. Um, Your first line midfield was Griffin Cook, uh, Brendan Curry, and Tyler Cordes, who is a new name that I'm not familiar with. I believe he is a freshman. He is indeed a true freshman, but it will most likely... if and when Hiltz is healthy, he'll probably move to the second midfield line with uh, with Dordovic moving back down to the first midfield line. Um, it'll be interesting for me to take a look back at this tape and see where exactly the rotations were with the second and third midfield line. The starting defense was... Brendan Curry looks like he got to start a close defense, which is going to be another thing to look at because they tried that experiment last year and it didn't work too well, so... <laughs> We'll see if that experiment worked again this year. Um and Grant Murphy still sticking around. And then uh Nick Riggio I think that's how you say it. Um we'll get I'll get that for next year. I mean for next cast, but that's an interesting defense starting wise. But again, a good win, but if you want to put stock into this win, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, Syracuse should be ranked higher. This is a Holy Cross team that was finished to pick pick to finish last in the Patriot League. So, not a stiff competition by any sort of the matter. Right. So, pump the brakes a little bit here.
1: I can't say it was good. Uh, I, I read through um, John O's uh, recap of the game because I also did not get to see it because I have a four year old that wanted to go to the zoo. So, I got to see Penguins. You guys got to see Lacrosse. Uh, but uh, he did note that uh, Petromala's defense, uh, or he, he noted that Kark apparently on the broadcast even. Was saying that Petromala's defense looked completely, you know, retrofitted from the what we saw last year, which is very good. Yeah. That's what you want to see. It is still
0: <laughs> awkward to see Dave Petromala in a Syracuse uh, sweater.
1: Yeah, on the uh, sidelines. I
0: think
2: that and there it's is- and
0: it's and it's great to see that you know as the coaches in this day and age are moving towards the quarter zip and the sweatpants.
2: Gary Gate is still rocking a full suit on the sidelines. It's going to Tom Landry that all season long. And I'm very happy, very happy about it. But you know who did embrace the sweats? Uh Kayla Trainer just mm-hmm. went all I the the image that they showed on social media for Syracuse was like her in a trucker hat and a hoodie. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, this, you are my spirit animal. I, I, am, <laughs> I am all here for this look, Kayla. I hope you rock this all season long. Um, the women also won their debuts, which OK. Shout out to lacrosse just saying, you know what? We know you guys just need some stability and some comfort. Let's just give you some early season back-to-back lacrosse wins. Both eras open with a W. Um, similar to the men, I think it was a situation where there's not a whole lot that you could take away no, from the game. No, there's a lot you could take away from this
0: game, oh. actually. Oh, yeah. Okay, this great. Is, Tell me why uh, I'm wrong. Well, Stanford was, is ranked 13th yeah. in the nation. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, <laughs> this is a good Stanford team.
2: Yeah, I did not go so, Pac-12, question mark?
0: <laughs> Pac- the Pac-12 is actually pretty good in lacrosse. Stanford's been pretty good. USC has been showing up here and there at times in okay. women's lacrosse. So, yeah, um, it's not a bad it's – it's not It's not bad. I mean, women's lacrosse, um, partially due to Title IX, is growing a lot faster than men's lacrosse. But that's yeah. not a bad sign either, especially when you see uh, in the ACC, you have Pitt and Clemson adding programs. Um in women's lacrosse. Um, I think Pitt's starting this year and Clemson, is, and Clemson is starting next year with um, actually very good facilities for their upcoming women's programs. Um, shows you the effect of football, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> so women's lacrosse is a much faster growing sport than men's lacrosse. All credit to them. Um, shown as how good Stanford has been and and they, it, this, they played them tough. This game was tied at halftime. Syracuse was trailing at points in the first half, and and then Megan and then Megan Carney said, "Hey, I'm going to score six goals." Yeah, that seems fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she's so, that's awesome. And that's the thing is with this team, like there's a couple of folks oh, that you, that's can Megan, that.
0: That's Me- that's Megan Tyrell. I keep getting them mixed up. But oh, okay. there's too many Megan's and too many Tyrells and too many Emmas on this team.
1: Yes. And gave him
0: Kay- a Megan Tyrell, six goals, <laughs>
1: not bad.
2: Just, ab- I'm, I'm very happy that um, the women are picking up where they left off. I do think that whether Kayla and the women's program want to or not, they are going to be indirectly held to this. Like compared to the men's program, if only because the women's former coach is now coaching the men's program, uh-huh. and it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird narrative to kind of work through and figure out how we want to dissect and talk about it. But I do think one of the things that we had all talked about all off season when this when all the coaching moves was happening was that Kayla was always the choice. She was always she was always option A for the women's program, and I really hope that this is just step one of that validation. Yeah. And I'm I'm very cautiously optimistic that this is going to be a situation where she can provide that extra edge to get them over the top. So here's hoping that there's more big wins. Um, Christian, one of the, I not to put you completely on the spot here, but uh, what are the men obviously had their win that didn't really mean a whole lot win. Um, are there games this week that we should be paying attention to in the lacrosse world? Um, for, just in the lacrosse world in general or coming up for Syracuse? For Syracuse, yeah.
0: <laughs> next week number two Maryland yeah oh shit <laughs> national runner- real. national runners up yep
1: cool. what
0: makes this game really spicy and it upsets me to no end about this is because maryland I've talked about this before on this cast Maryland has an attacker once again an attacker who's a, a Twarton frontrunner. uh front runner his name is Logan wisnowskis. He was a former Syracuse player. Oh. Cool, so and it's that, not just a
1: basketball thing. No. He is, and he is very good. Yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. Even though did we still not mean to nice end things. this.
2: I was going to say, did and, not mean to end this on a down note, but, like, man, yeah, that is the most Syracuse thing I've ever heard this year. That is going to be a very, very interesting
0: game.
1: Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty uh, sure we'll ready. find a way and to recap reason, that next week.
0: If, if for some reason that game is on ACC Network Extra, that is criminal.
1: Wait, Boo. wait. Hey. <laughs> that is criminal. I even want to watch that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Come on, ACC Network. You can. You've gotten enough uh, tactical gear ad revenue that you can throw <laughs> lacrosse on there during the
1: day. Come on. <laughs> Boo. Somebody buy another uh, Bell and Howell product so they can put this on. Uh... <laughs> On the big now, now I'm, now I'm curious. What might the ACC network
2: want to air during that time? <laughs> I guarantee it's going to be some dumb basketball. Well, I shouldn't say dumb basketball game. It's probably a it's, it's probably, probably basketball men's basketball game.
1: game. <laughs> <laughs> In I which mean, case, that. take that off and put the lacrosse game on. Well, remember, it's
0: on a Sunday.
1: Oh, that's fair. Man, really weird.
2: I'm I'm hoping it's just like a contractually obligated women's basketball game that's already on there. That's like, you know, Duke or North Carolina or something. But uh, that does stink. I really wish we I really wish we could watch that game on cable, but I'll watch it on streaming and hope that Syracuse does well. Uh, in the meantime, we have covered another hour on this news magician podcast yeah. after a loss, and we found ways to be positive. So you know, you, what? Know, you not- know what we can we can make it we can make this end on a
0: positive or not positive note. What big game do? prediction? Big game predictions tomorrow. What do you got?
2: Oh yes, the halftime show. I Rihanna is going to show up. There is zero way that she oh, doesn't I, show up in was, the middle of this thing. I was? Yeah, that's
0: that's almost a given. Yes, first of all.
2: Right, I thought yeah, my yeah. whole conspiracy theory was that she was going to reveal her pregnancy at the Super Bowl halftime show. Like oh, that's, that's not happening anymore. <laughs> no, the other thing that I think is happening is that the whole Kyler Murray thing is going to get unveiled to be a Subway ad. He unfollowed all of his teammates and oh, everybody God. on Instagram, and I guarantee that he's going to be joining the Subway team uh, on, in a Super Bowl ad. And mm-hmm. it's I'm just I'm gonna
0: hate. I'm gonna hate everything of that. It's what happens.
2: Yes. The loser will be the fans. The winner will be the corporations. We are living in a dystopian future. <laughs> we <May>. weren't already.
1: <laughs> We're just getting more dystopian.
2: This but. is why I watch Star Wars and Marvel stuff. I, my, The fantasies are more believable than the reality.
1: Kenobi. I watch- May, end of May. May 25th. May 25th, the 45th anniversary. And if you want to know more about that, listen to my podcast <laughs> tomorrow at 9.30, The Multiverse Report. You're uh, still going tomorrow. Bless you, bless you guys. Yes, we are. Well, <laughs> mostly because during the big game, all those trailers are going to be dropping. So, that is yeah. a very good point.
2: Yeah, so. the Strange Shoe trailer I'm excited about, and also Moon Knight. I cannot oh, wait yeah. to watch. It's oh, iconic, Moon Knight,
1: so good! Absolutely,
2: I'm, and the full black to trailer Oscar. too. I'm
0: just excited to watch Oscar Isaac.
1: Yes,
2: all he's. Of I'm rereading the Moon Knight comics that started in 2014 with Bendis. um, And then they go through with a bunch
1: of different writers like Warren Ellis as it takes a turn at it. I forgot how. For for all of Warren Ellis being a giant pile of ass, that run was phenomenal.
2: It is one of the most deeply haunting and yet satisfactory comic book runs that I've ever read. The Lemire run was really good, too. Yes, I'm getting into that now, and it just—I yep. for—it I, uh, just makes me happy. Read Moon Knight. Moon Knight is such a good character, so good. Oscar Isaac is going to kill it. Um, there you go. There's your comics yeah. preview, everybody. And now that we've
1: fully <laughs> divested from anything involving Syracuse, I would say it's time to leave this with a uh, like, subscribe, follow us. Uh, you know, anywhere podcasts are found, anywhere. Uh, well, on Twitch because that's the only place our video is found. Um, but you know. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know how you how you're enjoying things. Let us know criticism. Join our Discord. Have uh, have at it. Yeah. Five stars. Like. Subscribe. Make sure
2: that uh, we can keep tricking the algorithms into upvoting us.
1: And there go we go. orange.
2: Go orange. Yeah, go orange. <laughs>